Hi listeners, it's myself, Mick Clark, here again with some more Fishy Tales, and uh, I'm here with my colleague, Rudolf. Hi Mick, um, yeah, it's so nice to be back. Mick, um, it's been an interesting week, um, quite a few fish starting to come out, um, but I hear there's been a little bit of an interesting story um, from the boating front, and um, just to sort of explain how quickly things can go wrong, um, that happened this week. Yeah, definitely, Rudolf. Um, I've got a, a story what will be interest to any uh, boaters out there. Uh, but just quickly before I go on to that, um, it's been a, such a strange week with the weather. Uh, and a friend of mine just a few days ago launched um, out of Umkamas and caught some Natal sardines. So really, really late in the season, but we've seen it before. Um, but later on in the day, he got some good game fish, and amongst those game fish was a dorado and a sailfish. Wow. Can you believe that in the same day? That, that's unbelievable, Mick, because now you've got your summer and uh, winter fish mixing properly, and um, I've never heard of that before. So it's obviously your, your return shoals or sardines very, very late this year, and then the summer fish are here already. So it's gearing up to be a nice summer season. I can't wait, and let's just hope the trend continues. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. But uh, anyway, let's get back to this story. So because the fishing's uh, opened up again and we're definitely getting those uh, summer fish coming with a bit of warm water, um, a few of my colleagues headed up to Sodwana, Cape Vidal, St. Lucia, and um, two friends of mine went up there on jet skis to St. Lucia. And um, sorry, not St. Lucia, Sodwana. Sodwana. The other guys were at St. Lucia, yeah. So they launched out of Sodwana, um, I suppose most people know it's a, a, a world-class diving destination, but also a fantastic fishing destination. So they were going to be a couple of early pioneers for this season, and out they go. They have a, quite a good morning's fishing, and um, let's call him the elderly gentleman, the two, uh, <laughs> uh, Andre. He got a couple of fish straight away. He got a nice tuna, he got a nice cooter, and then all of a sudden uh, he was on a jet ski and he got this weird noise as he was going down a uh, following sea, down a wave, and a bit of a bang, and just the next minute, the smoke coming out under the seat. So that's a situation nobody wants. Um, so he was fishing with his uh, future son-in-law, um, Dave, and he tried to get hold of Dave, and through visual eyesight, he couldn't see him. So he thought, let's pick the seat up, have a look under the seat, and yes, the smoke was all over the place, so he quickly um, turned his batteries off. So... The smoke seemed to calm down, but he was definitely taking in water. So oh, he had goodness. to put the battery back on to get onto the radio. So he radioed for Dave. And luckily enough, both of these guys had radios. Uh, Dave recently doing his, actually his DSC course, and uh, sorry, his SRC course. And he answered the radio straight away and continued over to help him. So then Andre switched the batteries back off again, which on a jet ski is really, really important because you're now getting salt water into the flooding into the compartment. On this particular model, the jet skis are at, the batteries are at the back of the jet ski, so now you're going to get into all sorts of trouble. So lucky, lucky, switched the batteries off. So um, Dave continued towards him, and as the two were uh, started uh, talking again, Dave said, "Why don't you press your DSC?" So he pressed the DSC, but um, apparently it didn't work. Oh, goodness. Which was quite scary, to be quite honest with you. So I'll continue on with the rest of the story, but so I don't forget to mention this. I only found out recently um, from Hilton Jones, who was well involved. He was the, 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 the man who um, initiated all the radio for us in South Africa. 
Um, he said to me, you can actually do a DSC test call. Oh, that's interesting, Mick. Yeah, so I definitely didn't know that. And, and for all these, let's say some of them are crazy rules, that may be a rule that could be enforced, but I'd rather just say that we do it on, upon ourselves. So every couple of months, definitely, definitely, when it's time to do your COF and you, you're going to check your everything else, you should do a test call. So, so basically, if you get a radio installed, do a test call. If you get any type of work done on your vessel, do a test call. And every f- so often, do one. So anyway, back to the story. So now, now Dave, fresh off a few weeks ago with his uh, SRC course, he takes over now and he does the call. And lo and behold, via MRCC in Cape Town or Cape Town Radio and back to Durban, um, Durban Radio started speaking to him and they coordinated a rescue through a, a dive charter in Sodwana. Um, now all this happened quite quickly, to be honest, in that situation. Um, I suppose... Um, Sodwana's, um, sorry, St. Lucia, I keep saying uh, um, it was St. Lucia. No, it wasn't, it was Sodwana. Yes, yes, you said Sodwana. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. um, those destinations are quite remote, but to think that we can use this technology now to get somebody to rescue us, and lo and behold, out came this dive charter and uh, saved the day. Now, the jet ski by this time, it took a lot of water on it. It was flooding, it was, you know, let's say it was half sunk. It was at its, its maximum going down because, look, it had the proper buoyancy in. Um, it had the uh, tubbies on the side, which also had the buoyancy in. So, lucky that keep the jet ski afloat. Um, and now it's time to tow it back. So, the story ended up that the jet ski did get towed back. They went through the procedure of cleaning it up. You know, when they got back, they salt away and flushed everything. And, uh, and uh, off it went to find out what had actually happened. But um, moral of the story is... You know, if, if if you do get in this situation, you find you're going to sink, you must remain calm and, and use that technology, which I suppose we all complained. We didn't want to do it. Why do we need a radio? You know, we've had a radio for the last 30 years or so. Um, this is proof now that this technology does work. Um, mm. When you haven't got cell phone reception, when you're 29, maybe it doesn't work. <laughs> if you've still got one, and you, which you shouldn't, then this new technology does work. Th- this is the proof in the pudding. Mick, that, that is an interesting story, and, and that just shows how quickly things can go wrong. Um, all of us are involved in boating as, as short, uh, fishermen along the coastline at some stage of our lives, and I must say I'm one of those, I would call myself a social boater. I've got my own boat, and I know every year December we have to go do our COFs with our club, and I'm always lazy to get it done, and you know, it's, like, it's, it's a real schlep for me to get it done, but just as this outlines how important it is to do these things properly don't try and take shortcuts cuts on these because you are going to get you're going to get yourself into big trouble or maybe get some people killed so it's always nice to hear these stories and it reminds you that it's very important to get your gear in top condition when you go do your cofs make sure your buoyancy is valid your you know all the safety equipment your fire extinguishers it's a small thing to do for that day when you get into trouble um, and you could save your life and people with you's lives. Mick, um, I'm not a very big expert on the radios itself. I know you install them, you understand these radios and how they work. Can you maybe explain to the viewers what the difference is between the old 29 meg radio and the new VHF that we have to have in our boats today and why the 29 megs have fallen away? Yeah, that's a good question, Rudolf. Um, 
historically of course 29 meg every ski boater used to have them and it, it was i suppose a communication to talk to your mates uh find out where the fishing is uh spy on your mates you know keep the channel open just in case somebody found a shoulder <laughs> cooter so you had to have a radio just to find the fish was the impression i got but um of course, back in those days, we didn't have cell phones or, or didn't have as good reception and quality cell phones. Um, you probably wouldn't even dare take your phone on a, a, a wet ski boat. But um, as the technologies developed, guys started actually using cell phones more than radios. So those 29 meg radios weren't getting used so much anyway. Um, but come the VHF re radio revolution, there was such a friction against it and anti why do I need it because I've had this one for years and years you know but at the end of the day the reception and the transmission on 29 meg is, is terrible um, and then as we came over to VHF there was an option for handheld radios which for a small vessel and a jet ski when it happened it was a great option you didn't have to have a huge aerial uh, you didn't have space to fit the radio so so that was great the problem is the transmission of a handheld radio is only one watt. Um, and in my personal experience, although I was an advocate for using handhelds on a, on, a, on a small vessel like a jet ski, um, across a flat sea, the reception is okay. Yes. When the weather's rough and you get waves, you were lucky to get one kilometer. And I'm talking about on a, on a top brand handheld radio, not a Chinese import uh, type of radio. <laughs> So I've really veered away from handles at the moment. They're great as a backup, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But um, if you're going to install any radio now, you must definitely install a, a base mount, which is a 25 watt, get huge reception on it and transmission. You know, 30Ks, 50Ks, 60Ks, depending on the weather, depending on the aerial, but fantastic reception. Um, so there's no reason not to have one. On a small vessel, what was a problem is the aerial. Because on a ski boat, you'll fit a 1.8 meter aerial. Yes. But now you've got 1.2 meters, even 45 centimeter aerials. You hardly see the things. And my testing of them is the transmission is fantastic. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. That's good news. So, so no excuse not to have one. Um, and no excuse when you have got one installed or like we said annually you must test them test them yeah mick um for the people out there don't that don't own boats or maybe do and don't understand um all the functions what does dsc stand for and where is that function on your boat radio yeah good question rudolph so dsc is digital selective calling um so to basically to use the vhf radio you have to be licensed to do it so you, you would attend a SRC, short range certificate. You're going to learn a lot of acronyms, Rudolph, <laughs> when you go on a radio course, that's for sure. Um, but short range uh, certificate, and it's an international certification, so you can use your radio anywhere in the world uh, or that certification, and it will be exactly the same wherever you are. So basically, we, we probably the last ones in the world <laughs> to comply with it. Um, so it's digital selective calling. So basically what happens is you have to be licensed and the radio apparatus annually has to be licensed as well. So what you'll do is, um, in an emergency situation, um, there's a, a little red flap. All the radios have to comply with the same um, procedure. You lift the red flap and there's a button under the flap. So you can't say, oh, sorry, I accidentally pressed the button. Okay. Lift it up, press the button. When you press that button, 
First of all, before you do it, <laughs> people are going to ask questions afterwards. So. <laughs> Make sure it's a real emergency. Make sure it's an emergency, yeah. Uh, you learn on the course what actually is an emergency. An emergency is an emergency. <laughs> you're sinking, you're on fire, whatever. Okay, so you press that button and it'll go to channel 70, digital channel 70. And that will give you some options. Are you sinking? Are you on fire? Uh, Etc. So you'll press which option. Um, it'll then jump to channel 16, which is the voice channel. So your message has gone off to the MRCC in Cape Town, another acronym for there, Rudolph. Um, and then the rescue will be coordinated from there. You've still got voice on channel 16. So any vessels near you, they're going to pick that, radio, uh, that uh, digital channel up as well. And they'll have to accept that. Okay? Or they can relay your call. So it's quite a complicated technology. But at the end of the day, it's putting you in touch with people who can help you, both close and from a long, long way as well. So you can rest assured you're going to get rescued. Oh, that, that is absolutely amazing. And um, yes, you're so correct. When we all had to do these radio courses, we were complaining about it. And, oh, it's so much work. Why do we have to go from 29 to BHF? But when you explain it to me like that, um, it really makes sense. Because now we're internationally linked via radio. And if you're in a remote area like Mozambique or on the border of South Africa, Sudwana, Cozy Bay, and just at a range of cell phone, um, that is where that that sort of DSC feature comes in. And it's so important to to have that checked annually and make sure it works well. So yeah, thanks a lot for that, Mick. Um, that's a very interesting little chat about radios. I guess it can get very, very technical if you understand them very well. So from a radio point of view, thanks for that info. And while we're on safety and, um, and, and boat, uh, general boat safety, maybe you can explain to us about our normal COFs. What does it entail? What does COF mean? And how does it normally work um, with your boat? Um, when do you check it, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, definitely, Rudolph. Um, you know, time and time again, I have to explain to, to people coming into boating, um, if you're buying a small vessel, a jet ski, a small rubber duck or something like that, and the guy just wants to get out there and fish, and he says to me, what do I have to do? And that list now is just getting longer and longer and longer, you know. Well, you've got to do 25 hours uh, sea time. You've got to do 12 launches over four days, so three launches a day. You've got to do a, a, at least a one and a half day radio course. You've got to do your theory, which is a day, and uh, your, your a theory exam which is half a day and you know these guys start complaining um, we went quite uh, through this in the the skippers courses a few episodes ago um, but it's a daunting task now to to do a skippers course and, and people just say I want to do it you know I've got four days to come down and uh, can I do it in four days and the answer is no you can't it, it's going to be a lot longer um, and I know it's irritating but the more the more time you take to put into learning before you go on to, to do a skipper's course, uh, the more you'll get out of it. You'll understand it more. The more time you choose the perfect launch, um, so an easy launch for your first one, easy launch for your second one, and then get a little bit more challenging, a little bit more challenging. And then you will like boarding, you will enjoy boarding. You don't want a bad experience on them first few, few launches. So now when the guy's done the skipper's ticket and he, he comes along uh, and now he wants to get a COF on his vessel, what on earth is a COF? Another acronym. <laughs> <laughs> so, Certificate of Fitness, um, that's not for us. 
because of course we wouldn't pass um, yeah. <laughs> it's for the vessel um, and when you first see that you just go down there's a list of things you have to do and you just go ah oh, tick 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 without thought behind what are those things I'm ticking what are those things I'm running off to the local boat shop to buy uh, and I'll put them in my safety bottle so, so, so for example, you do the certificate of fitness, you're going to get the vessel checked, um, you're going to get a buoyancy certificate. Um, what's a buoyancy certificate? Um, the, the way I always explain the buoyancy certificate, I think this is a fantastic way. So if I got a two litre Coke bottle and I filled it full of water and I dropped it in the ocean, what would happen? It obviously sink. It would sink. Yes. That's your boat. Okay. So if we filled at least a third of that bottle with some type of foam or, or buoyancy foam, it wouldn't sink. It would go neutrally buoyant. Yes. Okay, so depending on the craft, you need 30 to 60% buoyancy in your craft. Now, I can remember when this first happened and the ski boaters were going crazy. <laughs> you're not drilling holes in my boat. You're not putting that in there. It's actually not, it's not 30% physical volume. It's to support 30% or 60% of the vessel. So it's not as much as you actually think. But come the day you take on water, you will be ever so glad <laughs> you put that buoyancy in there and you've got your COF, Certificate of Fitness. Okay. Yes. Um, but it's like the safety equipment. Um, you get a checklist of what you have to have in your, um, most of it goes into the yellow bottle. So it's flares, tick, rope, tick, um, drogue anchor, tick, anchor, tick, and throw it all in the bottle. And then next year comes round, oh, it's, it's COF time again. Yes. I better unscrew the red lid on my yellow bottle and have a look. Yeah, the anchor's still there all night in its packet. The rope's still there all tied up nice and neat. <laughs> the drogue anchor's still in its plastic packet it came in. And that is what a lot of guys do. They don't rig the drogue anchor. They don't rig the anchor. They, 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 they leave the flares banging about in the bottom with the anchor. And, you know, it's just crazy. That drogue anchor is there for a reason. That anchor is there for a reason. They need rigging up. So let's not get irritated by what you need by law. Rather, we look at it and say, I need this because if I'm in trouble one day, this thing is actually going to help me. Yes, yes. Does that make sense? Well, it makes a lot of sense, Mick. Um, yeah. and, and as you say, rig it up. It's pointless. It's sealed in its packet. And your drogue anchor is not attached to a piece of rope. Because what's the purpose of a drogue anchor? It is to toss overboard in a situation where you keep your boat's nose in one direction. And that's most probably going to be in the surf. So you're not going to have 10 minutes to do it. You're going to have 10 seconds to get your drogue anchor prepared. 100%. So it makes a lot of sense to me. But I, I think it, it makes sense to everybody out there but we've always got that attitude of it, it won't happen to me. Yeah, so you, you'll have to have that mindset of it's going to happen to me at some stage. So let me rather have everything in place so when it does happen, I am prepared and ready for the situation. Yeah, I call it what if, if Rudolph. I like to think, what if I took on water? Have you got enough buoyancy? Have you got a bilge pump? That's the first thing I would make sure on a vessel. I check before I go. Yes. What if this happened? What if I broke down? What if my radio didn't work? Have I got a backup? Have I got a hand as backup? Have I got my cell phone? Um, actually, that's a good point. One of the things that I like to tell people is when you go to an unknown destination, so we're talking about Sodwana, St. Lucia, um, even places like Mozambique, uh, the Ponta, places like that where there's dive charters, get at least three phone numbers of local people. A tackle shop, if it, 
you know, during the day, a tackle shop will get, get you help. A dive charter, they're perfect. Those guys have done so many rescues there. They, they're more than willing to help you. And, of course, a fishing charter. He's seen it all before. Yeah, He's yeah. definitely going to help you. So just grab a few phone numbers, and if you've got reception, there's another option to get you out of trouble. That's so true, Mick. And yeah, I say it's small things that make a huge, huge difference. Mick, um, thank you so much for that. Um, that was a very um, insightful and educational little talk on it. And um, yes, I'm sure everybody listening who own boats, they'll now go back and look at their whole COF process and the radio process differently. Yeah, I think so, Rudolph. It's one of those cases, I hope it never happens to me. I hope it never happens to somebody I know, but I hope what we've spoke about there can help in some little way. So for this episode, that let's wrap that up. Thanks, Rudolph. Thank you so much, Mick. And uh, thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And we'll talk again next week.